Welcome to the Broski Doodles Podcast, your boy Kiko Flo, Kiko Cervantes. Thank you for tuning in this week. I hope you're starting your Monday with a great vibe and a positive attitude, okay? I got you here with some interesting shit that I've been looking at. You know, I'm always curious looking at the next thing, right? And I got some, some interesting topics today. Make sure that you subscribe to the thing, like it, comment on it, leave some fucking feedback, some questions, some comments, whatever you need, I got you. All right, so in past episodes, we've talked about how corporations and, and humans, you know, have made things that, that, that really hurt humanity, you know, like in, in, in the realm of, for example, chemicals, right? We talked about in, in one of the episodes about DuPont and, and the fact that Teflon and a lot of the things that we use nowadays have certain chemicals that repel Right, they're good at repelling, but they're also very toxic and carcinogens, carcinogens, or cancer derivative of whatever you know, whatever the phrase is, right? But you know, today I actually wanted to bring some actually some positive things, and I and I have some things that I've gathered, some information, some inventions, right? Some discoveries that we've made as a human race that have actually really improved our life, the quality of our lives. And that you will all be thankful once you hear them. I mean, you're already aware of it, but I'm just going to, you know, make it even more more, more cl clear for you. Okay, so the first one that I wanted to talk about is refrigeration. Okay, so, you know, you have your fridge where you put your beers, you, you put your food. We take for granted, we take for granted how important that is and, and that it was actually available only uh, uh, recently, right? 150 years ago, this wasn't a thing that you could get. So I'm going to read a little bit of the of the history on it. I won't bore you with it, but I do want to get some of the bases down. So the use of ice to lower the temperature and thus preserve food dates back to prehistoric times. Machine-based refrigeration, which is the one we're talking about, however, was developed as a process starting in the mid-18th century. So we're talking about 18th century, that's 1750. And moving into the 19th century, right, into the 1800s, domestic mechanical refrigerators first became available in the early 20th century, so around 1900. That's when we actually started. So that's 120 years back. We started having the refrigerator that you, you know, that you know of today. Throughout its long history, refrigerating has allowed humans to preserve food and with it nutrition. It has also allowed for key innovations in human civilization like cold beer. So beer is actually something that has been created, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years back, but it was something that was served warm, which is pretty disgusting, right? So thankfully we have refrigeration so that today we can have cold beer. All right. So. You know, one thing that I found interesting about this is I live in Spain, right? And one of the delicacies here is serrano ham, right? Which is a very uh, a very special cut of of uh, ham, right? From the pig is the leg, but they cure it, right? They cure it with salt for you know for a long time, and that ends up you know making the serrano ham. You already know what the texture is, how it tastes. If you haven't, you need to get you know go do that shit right away. But it's curious how history pushes things uh, in a very peculiar way. You know, that's how Russell Brand speaks. Have you heard him, you know, in his podcast? He's like, it's very peculiar. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's very peculiar to me how history 
pushes certain things that you wouldn't really that you wouldn't think happened because of that. So, for example, Serranoham came out of the need to preserve food in a time where refrigeration didn't exist, right? So, unless you lived in Antarctica where they had ice and they were able to keep things cold, I would assume they knew about that there. Uh, everywhere else, you, you, you know, things will, will go bad very soon, you know. So... They, you know, people discover curing. I mean, curing is a thing that's been done, you know, since way back. So you would put salt on the meat. They still do this today, you know, because it ended up being a delicacy. It ended up being something that that was very special. But it all came from the necessity of keeping food uh, together. You know, um, ceviche, you know, comes from that same thing. The fact that, I mean, not, you know, to preserve food. You know, you can preserve fish in in lemon. So. But that, you know, that's a little bit outside of uh, what we're talking about. So, yeah, serrano ham, cured meats, for example, you know, were developed when we had a lack of refrigeration. In 1834, exactly, the American inventor Jacob Perkins, living in London at the time, built the world's first working vapor compression refrigeration system using ether in a closed cycle. This prototype system worked and was the first step to modern refrigerators, but it didn't succeed commercially. So people didn't start having refrigerators in 1834, but that was a time when it officially was invented, right? The mechanism, the, the machine that would compress air and, and, and thus create a chamber of coldness, right? So, you know, whenever you're near your refrigerator and you hear it sounding, zzz, it's because it has that compressor inside that what it does, it compresses air and that creates, that makes the air cold and then that goes through certain tubes where you know it's around the chamber where the food is so it's actually it's almost like magic right when you talk about these inventions it's really magical so for all you know i talk a lot about the bad things humans do and have done in the in the history of our of our humanity i mean you also gotta give credit where it's due to the good things to the positive things and and refrigeration is something we take for granted but it's so fucking important not only for food right but the same concept applies to like air conditioning and things which we again we take for granted especially if we live in in hot places but for food is essential right so i mean i i i have here about five little inventions that i feel are very important for humanity regarding food and drinks right so so refrigerating that was the first one that uh that we have here on the list the second one is pasteurization or also known as esterilization Pasteurization really comes from the name of the scientist that it, that invented this shit. I think his name. Well, I, I know his last name is Pasteur. That's what you know. Everything in everything in science, so it, it's like named after the person, and then that becomes a word, right? So, pasteurize. Pasteurization comes from this guy whose last name was Pasteur. I think he was French, Louis Pasteur. And you know, your boy Pasteur, he realized, yo, check it out. I'm gonna grab milk, right? Because they already knew that you you know that you could milk cows and drink it, right? I'm guessing because they they were in history because you were able to suck on the tit of your mom to get milk. They thought, well, maybe we can suck on the tit of the cow, right? I mean, <laughs> weird times, bro. People were bored. They were you know putting their mouth you know and their genitals anywhere. So they were like, oh, this milk shit, we like it, right? So, but it would go bad, right? Because milk it comes out of the cow. It, it goes bad quick and also it might, it might even make you sick because it comes with certain bacteria i mean i do 
I'm sure there's a farmer in, in, a, in our audience that will say like, bro, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. If you get fresh milk from a cow, it's actually very good for you. It's healthy and all these things. But, you know, that there is a thing with milk that it would go bad quick, right? And so Pasteur, your boy Louis Pasteur, in 1862, you know, uh, created the system for... Uh, so let me explain to you what the system is, right, for pasteurization. It's useful for the prevention of bacterial contamination in food, particularly milk. Pasteurization is the name of the process discovered in part by the French microbiologist Louis Pasteur. I had, I had not read this part, so I actually remember correctly. You know, I, I'm always up to date with details of the world. You know, in the Broski Doodle, we're fucking scholars here. So again, is the name of the process discovered in part by the French microbiologist Louis Pasteur or Pasteur. This process was first used in 1862 and involves heating milk to a particular temperature for a set amount of time in order to remove microorganisms. So, I mean, I guess this is the same like as boiling water, you know, but you can apply this to things and it kills the bacteria and, and it keeps the, the fucking goodness of it, the essence. So something as simple as that, but imagine this is very groundbreaking when it came to, you know, back in the days when humans were fucking stupid, you know, we were like, we would live maybe 29, you know, you would have kids at 13, we were fucking stupid. So, so when we start creating these things, and you know, like, like, like when, when they started heating food on fire, I mean, that shit changed the whole thing. We became super smart. Our brains grew. You know, it takes a little bit of effort from everybody. You know, I feel like today in today's world, people aren't freaking, you know, they ain't putting their part. They ain't putting their way around here. You feel me? But hey, that's them. So that's pasteurization, okay? Whenever you're eating milk, well, well that's, you know, drinking milk. But when you're eating cheese, that comes from milk. That's all thanks to my boy Pasteur over there and Louis Pasteur in France. You feel me? You know, people criticize France. Oh, they don't never fight in the wars. They always get fucked in, in history by the wars. They never defend their shit. Amen. They invented, you know, whatever process you needed for milk and cheeses. And that shit is fire. I love cheeses. You know, that's my thing, you know. I'm here in Europe. Cheeses, you know, charcuterie, you know, all those things, bro. I like that shit. Olive oil. Okay, I mean, I'm, right now I'm trying to lose weight, but but it, it is part of the culture that I want to be part of, you know. So my boy Louis Pasteur, you know, honor to him. Salute. <clears throat> the next thing that has evolved humanity in the realm of food. And keep in mind that nutrition is, is the first factor when it that, that, that has to do with your development as a child. You know, when, it, when you talk about countries that you have kids with a starvation, the big problem with that is that from, from the moment you're born until five, nutrition is so key into the development of your brain that if that fails, that could fucking fuck up your whole life in, in regards to like the development of your brain, your IQ, etc. So food is very important. Like that, the topic of food is and drinks is very important to the development of of a person, but also of history, of human history. So you know, keep you know, fucking write notes. If you haven't, get a little paper, write notes. All right, this shit is like mad important. Okay, canning. Okay, canning the process of canning food. I'm not talking about being cunning, you know, or my boy canny. No, no, canning right, like a can of tuna. I want to sometimes, you know, be very vocal just in case my accent, you know, throws you off. It's like he said canning. What the fuck is that? Canning, canning. like canning, like when you like the, the, the act of getting something and canning it. 
<laughs> right? A fucking tuna can, man. Whatever. Spam. You get it. It was developed in the early 19th century. So that's around the beginning of the 1800s. You know, people get confused when you say the 19th century. They might think you're talking about the 1900s, 1910, 1920. No. No. Mad is a little fuck. You know, fucks with you. The 19th century really means from 1800 to 1899 because you already passed the, eight, the, the 18th century. It's already done. Now we're in the 19th. If you don't get that shit, just Google it. It's a bit confusing, but I got you. I got you with the knowledge, okay? Developed in the early 19th century, canning is a method of preserving food by processing and sealing it in an airtight container. Listen up. Take notes. Canning provides a typical shelf life ranging from one to five years. <laughs> Think about that shit. This is going to change the world, okay? Nicholas Appert, I don't know where this guy is from, developer of the canning process, okay? So let me give you a little bit of a history that's, that I think is important, okay? Most of you are out there just eating shit, looking at Instagram, Facebook, and you're not really getting fed with the actual information that you need to succeed. So let me give you, you know, chew on this shit, take a few notes. During the first year of the, of the Napoleonic Wars, the French government offered a hefty cash award of 12,000 francs to any inventor who could devise a cheap and effective method of preserving large amounts of food. The larger armies of the period required increased and regular supplies of quality food. Limited food availability was among the factors limiting military campaigns through the summer and autumn months. In 1809, my boy Nicolas Appert, a French confectioner and brewer, observed that food cooked inside a jar did not spoil unless the seals leaked and developed a method of sealing food in glass jars. In 1809, that's fucking back in the day. All right? Appert was awarded the prize in 1810 by Count Montalivet a French minister of the interior. The reason for lack of spoilage was unknown at the time since it would be another 50 years before Louis Pasteur, my boy Louis, demonstrated the role of microbes in food spoilage. Isn't that funny how fucking history comes back and bam, hits you in the anus? So in 1809, what this guy did, right? Nicolas Appert, which a salute to that guy too. Because of him, we have spam. We have little sausage, Vienna sausage in cans. We got tuna. I mean, everybody knows if you've been in the low tuna cans with little soda crackers, that should be like, you know, keeping it real. So, so your boy Louis Appert in 1809, he's like, bro, if I grab a jar, I put the food in, right? Airtight it. I cook it. Then that shit can stay good for a minute because it was cooked in its own environment. No external shit, you know, affected it. So the that little micro environment, right, can live. So it's, it, that's a concept of canning, right? When you grab food and you seal it when it's, when it's being cooked. And once it's inside its thing, then it, it doesn't spoil, okay? Now, let's go a little bit further with this shit. 
Nicolas Appert, developer of the canning process, the French army began experimenting with issuing canned foods to its soldiers, but the slow process of canning foods and the even slower development and transport stages prevented the army from shipping large amounts across the French Empire, and the war ended before the press the process was perfected. So during the Napoleon Wars, which is 1800, you know, they wanted to use this to their advantage. Like, look, if we can send food to our crew with cans, then it won't spoil. Imagine just the, the logistics of, of sending food to an army, right? If any of you have been in the army, I haven't. You know that today you have like little like little packages that have like things. I don't know if, it's, if they taste good or anything, but it's very practical, right? You can have food stored in a place for many years and that makes you sustainable out of dependent in whatever mission you're in right so you would see how like in the army this would be very important for strategic uh, missions right like keeping the supplies from your enemy you know fucked up that that could give you the advantage to beat them so this is very important at on those times but unfortunately or fortunately i don't know i'm not french but for napoleon he fucked up right there bro he thought he could do it, but it didn't work. But he had his man in the right place. Now we move, you know, further along in, in the world. Um, that you know, following the end of the Napoleonic Wars, so this is you know, eighteen hundred towards the nineteen hundreds. Um, the canning process was gradually employed in other European countries and in the U.S. And it actually, you know, became better. People were able, you know, to perfect it. Uh, so if we move forward in time, in nineteen seventy-four. Uh, this is a, a, an anecdote that's actually pretty cool. Samples of canned food from the wreck of the Bertrand, a steamboat that sank in the Missouri River in 1865, were tested by the National Food Processors Association. So back in 1865, you know, it's already been a good time since canning had been invented. So there's a lot of products being canned at that time. And there was a, a wreck of a boat called the Bertrand, and it, it sank in the Missouri River, right? Missouri River. And in 1974, they were able to get some samples from this canned food. So they found canned foods, right? And although the appearance, the smell, and the vitamin content had deteriorated, there was no trace of microbial growth, and the 109-year-old food was determined to be still safe to eat. So fucking put your mind around that shit. Over 109 years, and the food was still good. So that's what canning brought to us. This is how people can make little bunkers and, and like, end-of-the-world survival bunkers where they have food for many years this is how you can do it through canning there's no other way to keep food for that long uh, so yeah so that that's on canning i mean think about that for a minute how we take that for granted you know we we you can buy shit and you can go into the forest for years and and not need anything you know this is how people uh, have been able to develop shit to go like to mars right and stay there with colonies because you can take food in, in this uh, way of of keeping it, you know, good for years. So that's pretty insane. Uh, let's move to the next one, okay? This one's really tricky. This one's, you know, for all the little nerds out there that like to go deep into it. This is a good one. Selective breeding and strains. When it comes to, like, farming, right? This is when you mix seeds and you get, like, shit, you know, that's, you know, I mean, here we can even go into, like, genetically modified seeds, which, which is what Monsanto does. That's another topic, but, you know, when we think about genetically modified seeds, we only think about, like, people that do this shit in a bad way, but we need to keep in mind that, for example, bananas that we eat, 
they naturally bananas have a lot of seeds but we have genetically and i don't think this was done genetically i think this was just by breeding and mixing them we were able to get a strain of bananas that didn't have any seeds and that's the banana that we eat today and with a lot of vegetables and fruits that we eat today they have been modified by hundreds of years of farming to please us you know so whenever you you look at something that has been modified don't always assume that it's a bad thing like the, the, there's times when modifying food has been good for us and 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 it's done it could be done in an organic natural way right now you can also do it in a lab and i'm not sure if that's always good i see how you could use it for good because if you can make a seed that provides more you know food and it doesn't have any negative effects then you can feed poor villages in, in a more easy way but you know that's something that i don't know much about but let's get into it into the actual topic which is selective breeding okay this is number four invention of the things that have changed humanity selective breeding is a process of breeding plants and animals for particular traits it allows humans to manipulate natural selection among the plants and animals they consume in order to produce food products that are genetically stable it, al it is also the reason that a bull named Badger Bluff Fanny Freddy has sired thousands of the dairy cattle in the United States. This is a funny word, sired, which means impregnate. So whenever you want to get a little, you know, intellectual with your, you know, with your little group of friends in a you know, little barbecue family gathering, you could be like, yeah, I have sired my, you know, my women or whatever. So yeah, like I said, so selective breeding is not only for farming, it's also for animals. You know, like cows and pigs and chickens, those are animals that have been bred for hundreds of years. And they're actually not like the original animal. Like, you know, when you talk about wild hogs, that's more like how pigs were. But we have bred them in a way so that they could be more efficient for us humans, right, to consume. And that's something that that's I think is is good. You know, it also has positive. You know, life is is not white or black. It's very gray. It has shades of everything. So when we talk about inventions and things, yeah, we're gonna have incentive of bad people trying to just get profit from things. But we're also gonna have people that actually wanna do good and 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 move the the history of humanity forward. So selective breeding. You know, I mean, th there's this movie, right? It's called Percy, and you have um. Christopher Walken in that movie and it has to do with like farmers that got fucked over by Monsanto because Monsanto created a genetically modified seed that could withstand very heavy herbicidals and and this made it so that you could plant more but it also made it illegal for you to keep your seeds from your crop and use them next year as farmers have been doing for hundreds of years I know I don't want to get too technical if you want to watch the movie but it just it just puts in perspective how far we are when it comes to breeding seeds and different strains where like companies have patents for seed uh, DNA, right? And they have created actually seeds in a lab that can withstand different things. And it sounds like a good thing. And I want to think that there is there is good in it. They also have a lot of financial incentives. But apparently, when you modified a plan like that, then it also has some negative effects on, on the other side. You could say, you know, that nature is, is, is a delicate thing and that you cannot really beat nature, right? Nature's always going to have its way. So it's a, little, 
It's a little tug and pull, but uh, but I thought that was a very interesting one. You know, the fact that like we take for granted things like chicken, cows, and, and things that we eat, bananas. A lot of these things have been bred and and mixed uh, for many hundreds of years, so that it could you know appease us. It's really only been about two hundred years since we have had like the food that you see today in the form that it's been. And before that, it was very rough. So, you know, appreciate a little when you're out there and you're feeling like shit. Appreciate that we live in the time that we live in because back in the day, it was fucked up, you know? You know, today you have all the food that we have, you know, you can grab a hot pocket, put it in the microwave, you know? The microwave is a fucking great invention. Although some people say that those waves can fuck you up and give you cancer. Who knows? Um... But anyways, let's go to the next one, which uh, is very important, in, especially in the farming, which at the end, you know, it, it affects the food. But irrigation, this is something that was invented a long time ago, but it hasn't been improved uh, as technology has evolved. So irrigation is the artificial application of water to land or soil. It is used to assist in the growing of agricultural crops and in the revegetation of disturbed soils in dry areas. It is used to assist in the growing of agricultural crops and in the revegetation of disturbed soils in dry areas. This is particularly useful during periods of inadequate rainfall. So imagine back in the day, you could only have crops if it rained. So if you had a shit season where it didn't rain, you were fucked, right? So the fact that you were able to grab water from a water source and then always be able to water your crops and that never be a factor of failure when it, when it came to your, to your harvest season, imagine the advantage that that put you at. And a, a lot of the things that we see today, when people talk about capitalism, oh, capitalism is always bad. Keep in mind that the fact that we were able to industrialize the food world a lot of people got out of poverty and were able to eat because food became cheaper across the years. Now, there's also a tangent where it became cheaper but shittier in certain ways. It's harder sometimes to find good food, but but uh, all you know, altogether, there's also positive when it came to the to cap capitalism, you know, and and industrializing, especially with the growth of the population worldwide. You know, it, there's no way to sustain that with people farming everywhere. You know, we couldn't be hunter gatherers with the po the population we have today. We have to have an industrialized food system. I think it has to be ethical. It has to be humane. When I say humane, I mean, you know, in, in a sense for animals. I don't, I don't know if humane is a word that you can use with animals as it's for humans. But in any case, you, it has to be something that's ethical, right? That if you have slaughterhouses and things like that, it has to be ethical. We all have seen things how they're done in, in, in bad ways in the U.S. But everywhere in the world, you have slaughterhouses and, and places that do things in not a, an ethical way we want it to be ethical but we we gotta understand that we do need a, a massive infrastructure for food production because we have a massive population and with irrigation you know and this you know today you have machines you have softwares that actually are connected to all the irrigation irrigation um you know hoses with the water and it's all done in a controlled way so that you can maximize the yield of the harvest i mean it's insane you know uh, and then i haven't even talked about the machines you know the machinery improvement that has allowed for farming to be something that in the end one person needed to plow for weeks and now a machine can do it all in one day so these are things that made our world a lot better you know the fact that we have beer that we can put beer in the fridge and put that shit in the right temperature and just pop it. You can get a frozen pizza and put it in the oven. 
And, it, you know, back 200 years ago, you had a sword. You had to go fucking kill a hog. I hope you don't get killed. And then eat that shit raw and maybe get some fucking, you know, um, virus and die. So, let me know what you thought about this episode, about the inventions that I've mentioned today. And thank you for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. And as always, peace.